Futurecast. If one of us can do it, any of us can do it. And the key is, is to have enough time, enough energy, and enough focus, and you can accomplish your goals. Just don't quit. And believe me, there are times that every successful person has thought to themselves, they want to quit. And is this worth it? And somehow they keep going because if they didn't, you'd never hear of them. And that's what you need to do on your dreams and your goals is just keep going. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Nelson Tressler. Nelson is a longtime successful entrepreneur, a book author, a founder of more than 10 companies, an investor, and so much more. But trust me, his journey wasn't all flowers and rainbows. Despite his difficult childhood, he rose to become a top commercial real estate agent and investor completing over $1 billion in transactions. After talking to Nelson, I've once again realized the undeniable power of goals. I'm hoping you'll get the same feeling after you hear him talk about goal achievement, success, and hard work. Nelson's current company is called I Got Smarter, a goal program and app that focuses on helping people not only set goals, but actually achieve them. Built on Nelson's personal experience and methods, the program increases goal achievement by 95%. I'm sure I've got your attention now, so stay tuned for some practical tips on how to chase your dreams. In this episode, we chat about why there's no secret to success, but hard work and dedication, how to take ownership of your goals and accomplish them, the importance of always getting back up when you fall down, and why the best moment to start pursuing your dreams is now and today. I'm really excited about this episode because Nelson talks so honestly and passionately about his journey. This episode will shed some light on goal achievement and goal setting and truly being able to achieve if you put your mind to it. Buckle up and enjoy the show. Hey, Nelson, thanks for being a guest on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. I've learned a little about you in the last few weeks and just know you have so much to share. I'm really excited to get started in hearing your story. Can we start with a little bit about yourself and what got you here today? Yeah, I've got quite the unique uh, origin story. You know, my mom got pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And while she was pregnant with me, her father, who was a local trash collector in a small town, Drove into the town square, spotted two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, killing one and and critically wounding another. And eventually my grandfather was captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty for what he had done. And uh, during the trial, my mom got up and testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that the police officer had raped her and she was now pregnant with his baby, who was me. And uh, that testimony worked. My grandfather's first trial ended in a hung jury. 
Because of my mom's testimony, the state took the death penalty off of the table. But eventually, my grandfather was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he eventually spent the rest of his life more than 40 years behind bars. Wow. You know, leaving behind me, my mom. My mom came from a family of 15 children in this small town to kind of deal with uh, the circumstances of what he had done. Eventually, my mom turns 21, meets a, a peach of a man who becomes my stepfather. And uh, we quickly find out that uh, he's an alcoholic and very physically and emotionally abusive wow. to me and my mom almost on a daily basis. And uh, that's kind of the way my life went. My mom and stepfather had four children in quick succession. And uh, because of their lifestyle, a lot of the basic needs of my siblings fell upon me as the oldest. And uh, because of that, my mom would rather me stay home and help her with the babies than go to school. And I remember in the fourth grade, you know, that last day of school, you, you're excited. You want to find out who you have for homeroom in fifth grade. And I remember getting to school and looking down at my report card and seeing that I had straight F's and uh, that I wasn't going on to fifth grade, that I had flunked and I'd be repeating the fourth grade. The next year, the school placed me into special ed to try to get me the help that I needed. Come to find out, you know, I had dyslexia. I couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't spell. And uh, that's, that's the way my life went until one night, my stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar and there was somebody else driving home drunk from that bar and they ended up hitting and killing him. And, uh, this is kind of the, the point where my mom, you know, she had dropped out of school in the eighth grade, never worked outside of the home, had five small children. And no matter how much she tried to uh, wrap her brain around how she was going to care for this family on her own, she couldn't do it. And she had lived a brutal life up to this point anyhow. And, uh, it was at this time that she decided she was going to take her own life. And, uh, my mom attempted suicide. And uh, fortunately, she wasn't successful. But when she did get out of the hospital, it was at that time that my family got split up. And that's when I went to go live with my grandmother, who was the wife of, you know, my grandfather, who shot and killed the police officer. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the fork in the road. Everybody kind of asked where the fork for the first time in my life, you know, I didn't have to worry about food in the refrigerator. I didn't have to worry about heat or the lights turning on or caring for my siblings or my stepfather coming home and beating me or my mom. So I really got to the point in my life where survival was kind of taken care of. You know, it, I definitely wasn't living the life of luxury. I slept on the floor next to my gram's bed. My gram was raising eight or nine other grandchildren at the time. So uh, in this small little three-bedroom house, and then she also had 15 kids. A few of those were still living at home, but you know there was always food and, and there was never abuse or anything like that. So I started to kind of reflect where my life was going. And one day a counselor came in from uh, the uh, the university to talk about what you needed to do to get into college. And I'm like, man, if I could go to college, the rest of my life would be perfect. And you know, you know what happens whenever you start to tell yourself you're going to do something that's hard, yeah. you know, that yeah. voice in the back of your head starts screaming at you, all the reasons you shouldn't even attempt it. And I remember thinking, Nelson, you're in special ed, you have dyslexia, you can't read, you can't write, you can't spell of the family that I came from only two of those 
people had ever graduated from high school. None had even ever gone to college. But, you know, I set that goal and then I did everything that I could to, to achieve it. And long story short, you know, 12 years later, four different universities later, four years in the United States Air Force, I became that first person in my family to, to get a college degree. Wow, that's awesome. I can relate to that voice of doubt when it comes to school. I've been the only person in my family up until recently. Now my nieces and nephew have going to college and actually graduating. And so there's that voice of doubt that kicks in, you know, like you shouldn't be doing this. No one else has done this. What a deep story though. I do have a question. When you hit that fork in a road where you felt like survival was pretty much on the table now and you didn't have to worry about just sustaining daily, what age were you at that point? I think I was about 10 years old whenever I went to go live with my grandmother. It was still very young. Yeah, yeah. But it had been a brutal 10 years up to that point. But yeah, I mean, for the first time, you know, and, and me and my grandma always had that special relationship because, you know, I was, my mom had me when she was 15 years old. So for the first few years, I was living with my mom at my grandmother's house. So we always had that special connection. And that was the one thing, you know, my gram pretty much every day of my life, she would look at me with these, you know, big eyes and she would say, Nelson, you're going to make something of yourself. And she told me that so often and believed it so, you know, so wholeheartedly. And I loved her so much. I think a lot of my success and the work that I put in was to prove her right. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because a good part of your early childhood is about things just not working out, trauma, stress. And oftentimes I'll see with people that end up becoming successful, they do have a really challenging childhood or big challenges they have to overcome, health challenges, family challenges, whatever it is. And I was wanted to get around, what do you think helped you overcome that? And it sounds like you kind of addressed it a little bit there with your grandma is just constantly reinforcing that you're going to be something, you're going to be something. Would you give a lot of credit to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there were so many people, I was always that kid, you know, I, the town that I came from was like 6,000 people. My grandfather's trial was the biggest trial ever to hit this, you know, community. So everybody knew who my family was. They knew who I was. So there was always, you know, and, and in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, I kind of write about some of the circumstances that I had to deal with. So I always had that going on in my life, but I had that one person who, you know, believed in me. And then I think there was a lot to, uh, you know, in my success. A lot of it was, you know what, I'm going to prove these people wrong. I'm going to prove that I am worth something that, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, worth nothing. And I'm going to show these people that I can become successful and, and do great things with my life, no matter what they think of me. Kind of a fighter mentality is what I also see a lot of times is people are going to prove others wrong. They're going to fight that mentality of you're not going to make it type thing. So that's awesome. That's a really good story. Hey, I do want to shift gears. And thanks for sharing that, by the way. You've had an incredible sales history. I believe you sold over a billion dollars of commercial property in your career. And I'm just kind of curious, what do you attribute to that level of success? What in you creates that ability to have such a high level of success? You know what? In my sales career, in my commercial real estate career, I always put my clients first. I always wanted to cut the best deal for them. 
And uh, I never really got caught up in the commissions or the money that would be coming back to me. In fact, I was kind of superstitious. I would never figure out the commission until the deal was closed because (laughs) I never wanted it to be about me. I always realized, you know what? The money was going to take care of itself if I did a good job for my clients. And because of that, I had some of my clients, you know, I was in commercial real estate for 20 years. I had some of my clients, you know, for 18 you know, 17, 18 years, you know, for the entire of my career, because I always put their needs first and they knew that. And I was never afraid to walk away from a deal that didn't make sense for my clients. And then, you know what, it takes a lot of work and it's hard work. And I think that's unfashionable right now is everybody wants it quick and easy. And uh, that's not the way success is, at least not, you know, I found in my life, uh, you know, there were always a few quick and easy deals that happened. But I think the harder you work, the luckier you get, you know, we've all heard that saying, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of 12 hour days. It was a lot of sleepless nights. It was a lot of cold calling. It was a lot of um, pitches that you didn't get. And, uh, but, you know, it was just that consistency and that focus and knowing what I wanted to do and uh, knowing what I wanted to accomplish and uh, providing for my family. Yeah. I love that mentality. I've never heard that before that you actually don't compute your commission until after the deal's closed or, or at the point of closing, or you think it's going to close at that point. Because most people, and I've seen this a lot in sales career, and I'm even guilty of this, is we tend to start adding up the dollars very early in the process. And then we get so focused on, now we've already put that in the bank mentally. Yeah, I think you lose focus on actually serving the client first. That, that's a wonderful way to approach it. Did you learn that through someone or has that just always been your mentality? No, you know what? It it was always kind of what I came up with. You've heard where I came from, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I, a lot of times I felt like I was stealing when they would cut me these commission checks. And I'm like, you know, there, there's people in my family who didn't make this in a year. And these guys are paying it to me for one deal or, you know, and it just felt, you know, it just felt like I was stealing a lot of the times, you know, and, and then there were deals where you definitely earned your money. But I never made it about the money. I realized, you know what? The money will take care of itself. And I loved being based on commission, being based on performance. And, uh, you know, pretty much every, you know, ever since getting out of college and starting businesses, that's the only way I would want to be paid because I'm willing to put in that time and that effort and work as hard as I have to. But yeah, I just I just wanted to do what was right for the client to cut a good deal for that. And what I realized was, you know, that the money for me would just take care of itself. Yeah. I love that philosophy. The money will take care of itself. If you focus around that, that's, and you obviously do a good service that usually does just take care of itself. You can't even stop it once you kind of get it rolling. You kind of address this and putting the client first, but I'm wondering if there's a little bit more here in terms of building credibility and trust with your clientele. Is there anything else that you did in your process that just helped you really establish that you had their best interest at heart they were more comfortable working with you and entrusting them with such a big asset? Yeah. I mean, I, I probably talked, you know, more clients than I'd like to to look at out of deals. And I don't think a lot of clients were used to that because the only time a broker gets paid is when the deal closes. But, you know, I, I always realized like, you know what, a deal for me where I was going to make a commission, you know, that that would be nice. But if I got my clients into a bad deal, 
some of these deals, if they went wrong, would bring down clients. And I was never willing to do that. And again, it was just about, hey, I'm here to help this person cut a good deal. A lot of the clients that I had had family money. You know, it was better for for me to walk away from a deal and not get my client in a bad deal for the next 10 years or 20 years so that I could get a, a small commission. So I just always looked at it from their point of view. And another thing was I was always willing to get into these deals. And um, clients really appreciated that because they'd be like, hey, is this a deal that you would get into? And, uh, you know, early on, I definitely didn't have the money to do that. But as I started to have some success and I would say, yes, they would say, okay, how much do you want to put in? And it would be like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll throw some money. And then they realize like, hey, this, not only is this guy, you know, helping us do this, he's willing to put his own money in. And then that trust just kind of went through the roof. And, and I think a lot of that helped, uh, you know, people trust me as well. I hope this isn't too confidential. I'm just curious, was it like a rebate on your commission that you would actually put back in or you'd cut a check straight out of your personal funds? Yeah, no, I'd cut a check right. Yeah, our company didn't allow that. So, I mean, it was just like, here's a check because they needed the money to close. Ah, okay. You know, because you'd pop it in there. So, got it. Wow, very cool. Okay, so hey, I want to switch gears over to your, your entrepreneurship background. You're a serial entrepreneur. You have a passion for entrepreneurship. Can you take me through what drives you in that area and what what you get out of that? And then I'd love to talk about some of your businesses and go down that path. Yeah, I mean, I, I love building businesses. I love you know seeing a need and uh, addressing that need and and realizing like, hey, this is what you know the community needs. This is what this area needs. This is what people need. And I love starting from you know an idea. And then really just honing down and building the best business that I can, realizing you know that a need in the market is is there. So it's just always has driven me. I, I've loved it, and I've loved to see something go from nothing to something that's thriving. And now you know the community can't see themselves without it. So that that was always fun for me. Yeah, that is cool when you develop something from scratch and it becomes this living entity. There's just something about that. In terms of a few of the businesses you've had, can you share some of the things you've done? In the next set of questions, we'll go into your your current thing, but I'd love to talk about some of your past stuff. Yeah, I mean, I worked my way through college doing uh, windows, cleaning windows. You know, my my father in law, we were we were living with him as I just got out of the air force, and uh, he was a dentist. And some guy had came and painted some Christmas mural on his window at his office, and never showed back up to uh, to take it off. And uh, he came home and was like, "Man, this guy's never showed up. We need to figure out." And I'm like. I was waiting for school to start. And I'm like, you know what? I'll go do it. I have nothing else to do. And so I went in there and I kind of looked up and down the street and saw all these windows. And and I was applying for jobs to kind of work my way through school. And I'm like, you know what? This gives me the flexibility, low startup cost. And you know what? That that started my window cleaning business. And I did that for three years and worked my way through college. And that kind of started that entrepreneurial bug. And then, you know, I was in commercial real estate. So I was exposed to a lot of people who were looking to start businesses. And I got into some businesses. I got into uh, children's daycare centers from a client of mine and uh, ended up 
This guy was a huge shyster, embezzled a million dollars from the company. We had built six of these locations. I had developed a property for him. Again, I talk about this in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, but ended up having to take that business over and to save our investment, especially my father-in-law who had gotten in. He was going through kidney failure as a dentist and was going to lose the ability to practice and had pretty much put his entire retirement into this business. And this was during the last great recession, you know, in 06, 07, 08. So did that. And then I started uh, a pet resort from a building that I had had and uh, built that into one of the largest privately owned pet resorts in the country. I've been in tanning salons. I've been in commercial rock yards. I'm in uh, family fun center trampoline parks. I have a couple of those. So yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of an addiction. You know, you see something and and you can, uh, you know, see how it's going to do. And my mind kind of works that way. And I've had a lot of success, but I've also had those ones that kind of kick you in the teeth and and you're scratching your head why you ever uh, got into that. And that's the one thing, as I said here today, you know, I'm a lot less likely to just go in. I mean, I used to be a yes man and I would say yes to anything that came to me like, Hey, do you want to get in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought, you know, everything's just going to work out. I just thought that's the way it was. And now I quickly realize that, you know, some of the best deals are the deals you say no to. Right. Yeah. That is a good lesson. In terms of common challenges, when you start a, a venture, is there any theme that you oftentimes will see the challenges hit you? Like, is there something that stands out? Yeah. I mean, I think cash flow kills a lot of businesses. Yeah. I think you got to make sure that, uh, you know, you got the cash flow. And, and like, I've developed a lot of, you know, a lot of the businesses have been from the ground up. And kind of the, the thing that I use is take twice as much money as you think it's going to take and twice as much time as you think it's going to take you to get up and going. And then you'll be pretty close. And that's really happened in every single one of the businesses is it always takes a lot more money and a lot more time than you first anticipate. And if you don't allow for that, a lot of people, I've seen it through commercial real estate. I've seen it in some of the stuff that I've done, but a lot of people just get stuck. And then uh, all of a sudden they run out of cash or they run out of time. And and the business never gets going. Yeah, that's a sad one. That's a lot I've seen in my career too. And even, you know, from the side of advising, when people get you talk about new ideas and always saying yes, people get really excited. I mean, it's very emotional. They're starting a new business. They're super excited. And they don't really always like to hear you say, Hey, you're gonna, you know, you're probably a little lean on cash. And unless you're thinking a year ahead, there's a good chance you're gonna run out of cash. I don't usually want to hear that because it's very emotional, but it's so true. It's it's double what you plan and double as long as you think it'll take. And then you still might be short. Right. right <laughs> so that's right. a good point. Hey, in terms of starting new businesses, have you ever got to a point where you're kind of getting into it and then you're like, oh my man, oh, what was I thinking? Why, why did I do this? Can you share any stories there? Yeah. So, I mean, as I said here today, you know, I I was able to retire from commercial real estate and I exited some of the other businesses that I had started. And you get to that point where, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, if time and money didn't matter, what would you do? And I kind of thought about the life that I had lived and, you know, that 
upstart. And I'm like, I live this life for a reason. And it's maybe it's to help other people realize that they're not a victim of their circumstances, but a product of their choices as well. And I'm like, I want to help. I had used goals my entire life and personal development, you know, in all of my businesses and my personal life and everything. And I saw what a huge difference it could make. And I'm like, that's what I want to do with my life is to help other people realize the power of personal goals and really learning how to set goals and stick with them and, you know, reaching the potential that lies within each one of us. And so I set out to start that business called Six Months to Success. And and then, uh, you know, everybody kind of met in groups you know, then COVID struck right as we're starting to get uh, some momentum going and now you can't meet in groups. And then I set out and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do this virtually. And I started a new app called I Got Smarter and, uh, you know, trying to do that. And, you know, as COVID continued on and it's just like, I got to the point where, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Like I, I'd never been on the online space. I'd never started an online business. And, you know, this was all kind of new to me. And you definitely have those days where you're scratching your head. And, you know, fortunately I've got some investments that are, are kind of feeding me and my family now. And I think that focus, and I think that drive is, is a big deal too, is like, you know, in the beginning when, when uh, you have to get these businesses going or, you know, you're not going to eat, I think that's a different kind of drive than if the money's coming in and you don't have that same drive and that same urgency. So I, I think the focus is maybe a little bit different. So it's a whole different thing and it's humbling, right? Because yeah. I had had a staff of, you know, 200 people in my other businesses. And, you know, anytime I needed something, I could just go and talk to those people and say, okay, I need this. I need that. I need that. Now it's me and, you know, one other person and it's, you know, I'm starting all over again to where before I was just kind of quarterbacking everything. Now I'm actually in, in the trenches, you know, trying to do all this stuff. So it's a whole different thing. But, you know, it's it's what I would want to do with my life if I could have from day one. But it's a whole different mentality, but it's it's so worth it. It's so rewarding to see other people achieve their goals and and to really develop into the type of person that they want to develop into. But it's very humbling to start over again as you kind of start a new career in, a, in something that you've never done before. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've had a lot of success. And when you start over, there's still that part of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going in the right direction? Like it, but that's kind of like what lights your fire too, or at least I find this true for me. I don't know if you feel the same way. So it's kind of an interesting, you used to always say yes. Now you say no. And sometimes that's your best decision. I think that's part of becoming successful too, because you get to a point where you're like, Hey, now I have some school hard knocks under me. Saying no is actually, I don't have time for it. It's not the right venture. But when you do say yes and, and you're in a new area, that's what now is the new, in my mind at least, that kind of gives you that, that energy, that push, that passion. Is it, do you think, is that for true for you too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, doing what I'm doing, you know, sharing my story. You know, no one knew about this story except for my wife. You know, wow. uh, I had moved away from that small town. You know, the, the circumstances of my birth, you know, weakened me. I didn't want anybody to know about it, didn't even tell my kids about it. And then, you know, I'm sitting here determining, you know, I'm able to exit these businesses and like, okay, 
it's not in me to just pop my feet in the sand and watch waves come in. Like I had to be busy and do something. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I want to help other people, you know, achieve their goals and, and things like that. So that's when I started to focus on that. But this wakes me up every single morning. And I know, you know, all my businesses feel a need, but this business, like, you know, I'm changing people's lives. And the great thing about goals is that you're not just changing, you know, that person's life that you're helping achieve a goal. Goals are generational. Like you're yes. changing the generations to come. I mean, my kids are living a drastically different life than I've lived. You know, just one generation, you know, of setting goals and, and really focusing. And that's what I want to do for people is not only change their lives and, and change their world, but to change the generations to follow. So let's talk about that. Uh, six months to success. Six months to the, it's a number two, and the six is a, is a number six. Six months of success.com. Let's talk about that a little bit. It's around goal uh, planning. Like, take me through if I was a member, what would I see? How does that play out? And what's the end benefit I would get out of that? Yeah. So, I mean, you've heard my story. I mean, I became obsessed with goals. You know, that first goal of being that first person to graduate from college. I realized the power of goals, you know, of, of sticking to something. And so after I graduated college, I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And every day I started off with that. And every, you know, goal program out there on the market, I think I've had at one time or another. And I've used it and I saw the success, but I saw what worked, what didn't work. And I started, you know, making my own system and my own program. And uh, I became known as kind of that goal guide. And I help people with their own goals and through my career for free just to help them because I knew what it was. So this whole program that I've used, I'm like, you know what, this is what people need. And I sat down and for two years, I came up with this program. And then I'm like, you know what, this needs to be in an app. Everything is an app. It needs to be easy to use. It, it, there can't be any of those hurdles that people have to overcome. So I had it all developed into a, a quick and easy app, you know, and it starts off with a self-assessment because the, the first thing you need to realize is kind of where you are. You also have to realize where you want to go. So we start with this self-assessment and then every single day, the app, has a morning ritual that you kind of start off every day with gratitude. You start off with success principles. You start off with reviewing your goals. And of course, we teach you how to write a proper goal and how to set small achievable milestones so that you're always having success and you always know what your next step is. And there's just all this stuff that I found that people struggle with goals that I've kind of taken it and put it into this program and, and kind of plugged all those holes where people fall short. And then the, the really the cool thing about our program is that we have what we call success partners. And through the app, you're assigned a success partner, somebody else who's trying to achieve their goals, but you you see when they check off their goals to do, you see when they do their morning and their evening ritual, and they see when you do that. And now you guys can communicate through the app. Not that you're accountable to them, you're, you're only accountable to yourself, but you're in this to help them stick with it and they're in it to help you stick with it. And as soon as you put that, into play. Now people stick to their goals because you know what it's like to have a goal that only you know about. And it's like, yeah, yeah, if I get to it, I get to it. But now we have a goal group. We have goal success partners. We have a goal guide that's there to help and make sure because 
you know what? You're not going to be perfect when it comes to achieving your goals. We, we realize that. But the key is to get back up on that horse whenever you have a bad day or even a bad week. Uh, because what happens is most of the time when somebody has a bad day or a bad week, they throw their hands up and they're not perfect. And they're like, ah, I'll start again next year or next month or maybe never. But that's what this program does is, okay, you had a bad day. Let's get back at it tomorrow and, and start over again. Or you had a, even a bad week, but we just keep on it. We're not looking at perfection. We're looking at progress. And you have this community, you have this goal success partner, you have this goal guide, and everybody is just helping you stay on track. And what you realize is, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year later, you've accomplished so much that maybe you either wouldn't have gotten started or you would have come up short. But this program almost makes it impossible to quit. And I truly believe that you can accomplish anything, you know, so long as you have enough time, enough energy, and enough focus. In terms of goals themselves, do you, is there some criteria like, I imagine some people's goals are around losing weight or, or is there a certain time frame like someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to be a multimillionaire or something like that? What's, do you have them break it down or what does that look like in terms of so people can be more you know, likely to hopefully achieve whatever they're planning out in a certain time frame? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, part of my program, and I, and I saw that is, you know, we want you to have huge goals, big goals, you know, right. goals that are going to take a long time. But one of the things is, is that our mind doesn't work well if our goal is, you know, a year or five or, you know, even 10 years out. We lose that urgency. We lose that focus. We don't realize how important, you know, what can we do a day in a day or a week or a month? And we realize that. And so we really don't work hard at our goals every single day. But what we teach you in our program is we break everything down into what we call a four-week sprint. You know, our goal may be, let's say, to have a, a million dollars in cash flow coming in. And you're thinking, well, geez, I, I have no cash flow coming in. What can I really do? You know, that's five years out or 10 years out. Right. But what we do is we break that down and say, okay, here in this next four-week sprint, what can we do to get closer to that goal? And maybe it's, you know what, I need to cut you know, maybe I need to start off by cutting $250 from my expenses, you know, this first four weeks. And then we break that down into weekly milestones. Okay. I need to be able to do this, you know, week one, week two, week three, and then hit that four week sprint. And then the great thing with, with our program is you're constantly evaluating. It's called, I got smarter. And, uh, you know, that's an acronym for everything that's in our program, but the E is for evaluate. So at the end of this four week sprint, we're going to evaluate how did we do? Did we do great? Did we reach our goal? Do we need a little more work? Did we exceed our goal? And then we have the R, which is readjust. And so every four weeks, you're evaluating and then you're readjusting and then you're setting the next four week sprint. And in these four week sprints, every single day counts. And there's always that urgency. There's always that next goal that you're achieving that's only four weeks away. And then you're, you're always striving to hit that milestone, which is at the most a week away. So now your mind can really wrap around like, Hey, I need to hit this by this Friday, you know, so I need to do something today as opposed to a million dollars of cash flow. It's like, Oh, geez, what can I do? So that's one of the, you know, that's part of that secret recipe is we always have that urgency. We're always, you know, striving to, to reach that next little step. And no matter how big your goals are, 
you're always one small step from getting closer to it. And that's what we teach at I Got Smarter in Six Months to Success. Yeah, sounds like a great system. I wanted to shift over to your book. Every time I, for the folks that are listening in, there's also a video in the books in the background, The Unlucky Sperm Club. I keep looking at the title of it and I feel like the un should be crossed out. Like there should be a big X. And yeah. I, because you're such a grounded, uh, you know, educated, well thought out guy, really smart. You know, I don't know. I'd argue with you about the unlucky, but um, can you tell us a little bit about the book before we're here close to wrapping up? Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it was going to be called the Lucky Sperm Club because I really feel like the circumstances of my birth gave me all the tools and motivation and inspiration to eventually live a successful life. But, you know, that was kind of taken. Warren Buffett had talked about that. So I wanted to kind of put a different spin on it. And people think, that they're unlucky because of the circumstances of whatever. And that's the subtitle of my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, is you're not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. And, you know, it's a great book. It's doing very well. And uh, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback on it. But it really, it's kind of a memoir slash self-help. And it tells a lot of great stories of uh, my childhood and of my business life and some of the hurdles that I had to overcome. You know, I've pulled the curtain back on it because I think there's so many people out there, they'll see somebody who has this sense of success in their lives and they think that it just happened or it happened quickly, or maybe they were just you know, lucky or put in the right circumstances. And I wanted people to realize like when you see somebody who's successful, they had to work. You know, they had those situations where they were probably one or two bad decisions away from, you know, not being successful and losing it. And I've done that. I've pulled the curtain back. I mean, I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. You know, I talk about that in my book. We were probably one or two arguments away from, you know, being divorced and, uh, you know, I sold those businesses, but I was probably a month away or, you know, a few thousand dollars away from having to go bankrupt. And, you know, there's all these things and I made it through it, but I wanted people to realize like, you can do it too. If one of us can do it, all of us can do it. There's some humor built in there. I mean, if you didn't have humor, you know, kind of going through some of the tough trials that, that uh, we go through, you, you'd go crazy. So there, it's a good read. And, you know, I, I definitely think uh, anybody who uh, reads it would benefit from it. Yeah, I'll grab a copy and uh, leave you a review. I, I'm a big reader. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's funny. It, it is true that a lot of times I think when people become successful, because I have this happening with my own clients, is they'll just assume it's kind of given or it's kind of like you're lucky or whatever it is. There's just so many trials and tribulations oftentimes to get there. I had a, a guest in my last podcast. She actually had cancer twice and she was both times kind of given a death sentence. Then she had a partner that stole half her business. None of that stopped her. Like She just kept going until she built another business. But people don't see that often and they just see the end result and think, you know, we we all have, or at least the vast majority. Let's let's. There's a few probably that get a free ride, but not many. Not many. No, no. And and I think it's important to know that you know for people who are sitting here listening to this and and wanting to have a successful life, you know whatever that means to them, is to realizing that the people that they look at that have have made it, they went through the same struggles. You're just a little sooner than than they are, and you need to get through those same struggles as they did. And again, if one of us can do it, any of us can do it. And the key is, is to have enough time 
enough energy and enough focus and you can accomplish your goals. Just don't quit. Yeah, don't quit. And believe me, there are times that every successful person has thought to themselves, they want to quit. And is this worth it? And somehow they keep going because if they didn't, you'd never hear of them. And that's what you need to do on your dreams and your goals is just keep going. That's great stuff. I almost feel like you gave it to me, but I'm still going to ask. Do you have anything actionable for us from a business standpoint or personal life standpoint that we can apply today to our lives to you know have a better life or have a better business? Yeah, I would say, you know, hopefully you've been inspired, motivated by this podcast. And what I would suggest is start where you're at. That's the only place that we can start. There's so many people out there that they want to wait until all the traffic lights are green before they start. And, oh, I got to wait for this to happen before I can go, or I got to wait for that. Success is a lot like walking through fog. You know, you, you can barely see that your hand in front of your face, but as you take one step after another, that landscape starts to open up and you start to see it. And that's what you need to do. You can only start where you're at and then start now. Don't wait for Monday. Don't wait for next month. And heaven forbid, don't wait for New Year's. Start start where you're at and start now. And uh, every step that you take, you'll get closer to success. And uh, if people do that, you know, you'll be a lot further along than uh, waiting uh, for some arbitrary time or date or everything to be lined up for you. Super wise words. Hey, uh, Nelson, in closing, I'll put your contact info in the show notes at thinktyler.com. But if we wanted to reach out to you, where's the best place to do that? Yeah, you can go to nelsontressler.com and uh, everything is there. You can also find my book on Amazon or Audible if you like listening to your books. It's called The Unlucky Sperm Club. You are not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. And you can uh, download any of the apps, uh, I Got Smarter, or the number six months, the number two success.com on uh, both Apple and Android at the app stores. And then Nelson Tressler, Tressler's with two S's. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Hey, well, Nelson, you're awesome to talk to. I love your story. I'm inspired. I like want to go out and go get more clients or something. I, I really had a, a fun time talking with you. You have so much knowledge. I wish you success in this latest venture. And uh, thanks again for all your time. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.